I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song? Episode 29. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. In the beginning, God spoke and everything he created was perfect. With a word, he created the heavens and the earth. He created land and sea and all the creatures, even the blue butterflies and the kimono dragon, the bangle and the white tiger. He formed man from the dust of the earth And he made him in his image and then breathed life into him with the very breath that he used to speak the whole world into being. It was perfection and sin had not yet tainted man's life or the earth. It was beautiful. It was like a creative art piece intricately woven together. And in a verse, God decided to make man in his image. And now we see doctors and scientists, they spend their lifetimes trying to uncover the intricacies of the human body. Listen to this out of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And that comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. But did you catch it? Did you catch that God blessed them? And then God provided for them. Not just enough, but in abundance. God's perfect plan, in his perfect plan, we are blessed and provided for. So why do we think that we can build a better life on our own? Or why do we try to build our lives and then ask God to bless what we have built? 
And then your next question might be, when are you going to get to this week's song, More of You by Colton Dixon? Well, Colton gets what I'm trying to say as he begins the song now. I made my castle tall. I built up every wall. This is my kingdom and it needs to fall. I want you and no one else. Empty me of myself until the only thing that's left. This first stanza is a proper assessment of almost all of us. We are building our own kingdoms. But my question and my challenge to you and to myself, is this our prayer? Are we ready, truly ready to be emptied of ourselves so that God can then fill us? And then the main prayer of this song is found in the chorus. We have set ourselves as kings and queens of our own lives and our own destinies. But I want to remind you that the very one who created us had a perfect plan in the beginning for us. And so what really caused the fracture in God's original plan for us? And ultimately, it was a lie. It was a misrepresentation. In Genesis chapter 2, we read, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, I want to point out several things here. First of all, God put the man in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And so that's interesting, isn't it? That work was created prior to the fall. And some of you love your jobs, and so work is pleasure, and you can see how that's a blessing from God. And then some of you, um, it is a means to an end so that you can enjoy the rest of your life, that you're earning um, income from your work. But uh, in the original plan, God created work, and it was... uh, course there's a curse associated with work later that makes it difficult and harder than what God originally planned but his original plan in perfection was still that we would work but what I really want to point out is this out of the ground God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food now God designed the garden to be beautiful And not only were these trees good for food, but they were pleasant to the sight. And whenever a detail in scripture seems to jump out at you, give give yourself the freedom to ponder it. This, This jumped out at me this week. It's very interesting to me. Why would God give us this detail? Why is it important that we know that the trees were pretty and good for food? 
Well, for me, I can't help but thinking that it's all part of the blessing because God doesn't just sort of bless and he doesn't just barely meet our needs. He gives in abundance. And from the beginning, this is part of his character revealed in this environment that he specifically and specially designed for Adam and Eve. And this is his vision for what he created for you and me. He's a God who has attention to the detail and he um, is creative and he's breathed that into us as well. Now, then the next detail jumps out at me. He points out two trees in particular that are pertinent to the story and how it unfolds, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I find it interesting that ultimately those are the two trees we always ever focus on. We forget that there is a garden full of trees that, that that were designed for them to eat from. So they had access to a abundance. And of course, we know these two trees are brought out in specifics so that we could understand the rest of the story, just like a good storyteller is going to say, point out those details because they're pertinent to the story later on. But I don't want you to miss out on the abundance, abundance surrounding Adam and Eve in this perfection of this um, garden that God has designed for them. So God then, when he points out these two trees, he gives simple instructions. Later on in scripture, we realize that the tree of life was going to cause them, if they ate from that, they could live forever. And so um, you, you see that in the details if you continue reading in Genesis. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, first, there the point I want to make is there is the abundance. God is saying, I have given you blessings upon blessings. I have given you abundance. This is what I have for you. I have an entire garden full of beautiful trees that are good for food. This is the abundance I have for you. Then the second part of what he's trying to say is, I am going to give you a simple boundary. Here is the instruction to properly handle the abundance. You have access to everything else but this tree. And then the third thing I want to point out is that there's a reason why you don't want to touch or you don't want to eat from that third tree. It's it's a warning about um, the danger and the consequence of it. And so I uh, just want you to have that full perspective here. Just in a simple sentence, God is saying, I have abundance for you. I'm giving you a simple boundary. And there's a reason for the simple boundary. And then, and then he moves on. Now enter the enemy. And in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was 
to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, the very first thing that Satan does here is he distorts what God actually said. He says, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? I mean, he's trying, I mean, I can now almost picture him just saying it in, in such a way that Eve would think, oh yeah, that is kind of a ludicrous statement. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So we see here that he is distorting what God said because God didn't say that at all. It is, he said, every tree is for you. Every single one, look around, hundreds, thousands, I can't even imagine the beauty of the garden. Just this one, I've put a simple boundary. That's what God actually said. But Satan comes in with his lie and he distorts the truth and does it in a way that he kind of tricks us. But then we see what happens when we distort what God actually said. Listen to Eve's reply. We may eat of the fruit of the trees, but God said you shall not eat of the tree, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So do you see what what she did there? She added to what God said, because God didn't say she couldn't touch it. Although it probably is a wise boundary to add, Scripture doesn't really specify that God said that. And so you can see there's, she's adding to what God said. And really kind of getting sucked down the path of this lie, this misrepresentation of who God is. Now, there's another warning in Scripture about adding to what God says. And it's found in Revelation 22. It says, um, actually, God is warning about adding to the prophecy revealed in the book of Revelation. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them. God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life. That's interesting. And in the holy city, which are described in this book. So needless to say, it's important to know that that you need to know what God actually says and then not add to it. And the New Testament religious leaders, they added to scripture all the time. They created a burden that was impossible to bear for the God-fearing people of that day. And perhaps we've done the same in our own generation, but that, that may have to wait for another podcast. So next we see that the serpent lied and distorted God's character. He says, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God's exaggerating the consequence of this choice because there's something good out there and he doesn't want you to have it. So he is, you can see the enemy is distorting God's character and he's able to do it by, by making Eve question what God actually said. And then Eve kind of does, you know, does her own little bit by adding to what God said. So what do we do when we, you know, we just reach out for the one thing that we're warned to avoid and we ignore the piles of blessings around us. We reach out for that forbidden fruit. We reach out to touch the hot stove. Our loving father has warned us will bring us harm. And then we assign character to God that was never his to begin with. The song goes on to say, This life I hold so close, oh God, I let it go. I refuse to gain the world and lose my soul. So take it all, I abandon everything. 
of the song, specifically the line that says, I refuse to gain the world and lose my soul, it leads us to another section of scripture, three different places actually in Mark 8, Matthew 16, or Luke chapter 9. And all of these tell us a story of Jesus teaching his disciples. I'm going to go ahead and focus on the, the way that it's told in Matthew 16, where it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, what's interesting in the context preceding this teaching or the statement of Christ, just before this, Jesus asks his disciples who people are saying that he is. I and mean, he's like, what's the word on the street? Who, who is everybody saying that I am? So they tell him. Some are saying John the Baptist that is raised back from the dead. Some are saying he's Elijah or Jeremiah or another prophet from the Old Testament. And then comes the key question. Jesus says, who do you say? I am. And Peter, he jumps right in. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Good answer, Peter. And Jesus thought so too. In fact, he said that Peter could not have known this on his own without God revealing it to him. And it was in this season of Jesus's life that he he knew his life and in the time of his physical presence on earth, he knew all of this was coming to a close. So he begins to uncover What is going to happen to him? You know, what a loving Savior. He's just preparing his best friends for the tragedy that they were about to experience. But as he begins to tell these details and unfold these things, Peter Peter just can't believe it. And it bothers him so much that one at one point he pulls Jesus aside and he actually says, again, to the guy that he admitted was the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for. In Matthew 16, 22, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. I can see, I can see why Peter said this. But he was actually, in that statement, misrepresenting what was going to happen to Jesus as bad instead of what would eventually pay the way for your salvation and my salvation. And, of course, Peter couldn't have known this because he's not God. And neither are we. How often do we misrepresent God's plans or his, his execution of what's happening, happening in our lives as bad when he is God and he can see all the way to your salvation and mine. But Jesus says, he turned to Peter and uh, he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Wow. Satan, really? Yes, really. I mean, Satan is the one from the beginning who distorts what God's perfect plan really is. And how does he do this? Well, he keeps our minds on ourselves instead of, like Hebrews 12 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about that for a little bit. 
So my question to you is, will you surrender to him, to his perfect plan for your life? Will you give up your kingdom to experience the beauty and the blessing that he has prepared in advance for you? Will you stop allowing the enemy to distort God's character? Will you take the time to know what God actually says through the study of his word? Don't take my word for it. You study it. You hide it in your heart. You determine what God has actually said and don't add to it, thus distorting God in a different way. What's next? Well, spend some time in Genesis, chapters 1 through 3 this week, or even beyond. This is just a jumping off point. Take your time. This is a fairly familiar section of Scripture. Even if you're a new believer, oftentimes people will they pick up their Bible for the first time and want to start at the beginning as if it's a story. And, of course, that does tell us what happens at the beginning. So a lot of you really understand or have read this Scripture over and over. But take your time here and just see what jumps out at you. And then if something does, don't just gloss over it. Spend some time pondering those details. Picture in your mind the colors and the smells of creation. How many trees do you picture in your mind in this gorgeous garden? What must it have been like? And then don't forget, this is just a jumping off point. If starting here leads you to something else, by all means, spend some time there. If you read Genesis 1 through 3 and then want to keep going, Please do. Of course, my goal for you is to create momentum that will result in a daily interaction with God's Word. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Hop on Twitter, at Michelle Nizat, or Facebook. Um, my public page is Michelle L. Nizat, and let's talk about what you're learning. Or you can leave a comment on this week's show notes, and that's found at michellenizat.com forward slash 29. I have the music video posted there. I have the lyrics posted there. You can actually um, purchase the song or the entire album there. So michellenizette.com forward slash 29. Now just a few quick announcements before we leave today. One of the ways to internalize God's word so that you can really talk about it from memory and the Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind when you need it is to just have it in front of you every day. And so I don't know about you, but I have my iPhone or my tablet or my desktop in front of me a lot during the day. So I've created free memory verse resources each week that tie to what we are studying each week. You can download it for free if you're a member of my email list. Super easy to do. Just head over to my website, michellenizat.com, and on the right, you can subscribe to my email list. I promise I'm not going to bombard you with email or share your information with anyone else, but you get those free downloads by subscribing to my email list. Next, I really appreciate your reviews on iTunes. It encourages me, and I think that as people begin to find my podcast, they can see your reviews and see that it might be a podcast worth listening to. And so my promise to you is that if you take the time to review my podcast, 
I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. So head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash review. It'll take you to the page to review the podcast in iTunes. You just have to click view iTunes to launch it on your computer and then click on those words ratings and reviews and then choose to write a review. Uh, I would really appreciate it. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. My next podcast will be on I Can Just Be Me by Laura Story. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've tried to make it as easy as possible. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 29. And while you're there, I would love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time. Take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.